0: When I went to college at Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota, some of you probably want to put that on your destination list to vacation to sometime, uh, Aberdeen who? Uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota, uh, one of the electives that I took was ROTC, now some of you know, you know what that stands for, right? Reserve Officer Training uh, Corps, and uh, it's it, that was my springboard, actually not into the military, that was my springboard to tell me that I would never probably be in the military because once you watch me handle a gun, they were like, you know, maybe the military isn't for you, sir. Uh, so, But anyway, the one thing that we did in ROTC that I'll never forget on the campus of Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota, was we got to go on, to a top, on the top of a building and rappel off of the building down to the ground. So this was something I'll never forget for multiple reasons, but they would take, a, they would take like four or five students up at a time, we were at the top of the building, and I'll never forget. A girl was going to rappel before me, and they had her all hooked up to this harness. And then there was a clip right here that she actually had to unclip just to kind of say, "I'm ready to go. I'm ready to like, for to lean back this building and kind of just, you know, kind of step my way down the building." So she stood there at the edge of the building like this, and she's she goes up here to unhook this top thing so she could start rappelling backwards, and she goes like this, and then she wouldn't unhook it. And then she goes like this, and she wouldn't unhook it. And I'm standing there, I'm like, seriously. We're gonna, we're gonna, it's going to be the next semester soon, okay? Let's go! And she, but she wouldn't do it. And finally, I'm like, let's, let's do this. And I said, I said the title of the series. I'm like, come on, cut the cord already! And I'll tell you something, when I said that, the look she gave me, Let's just say we never dated. I don't even know if we talked after this day. She was she was ticked. So anyway, she finally uh, undid the cord and kind of rappelled down the building. And when it was my turn, it was so interesting because I'm like, gosh, she's such a wuss. I get up there, and uh, I, I look back, and I'm not kidding you. When you're standing on the top of a building, and there's like nothing behind you, and I look down, and I thought there'd be a net. <laughs> there's no net. There's no mattress. I'm like, dang, my first thought was like, mama. You know, I just, I didn't want, I didn't want to do it. But I had to unhook this top thing finally. And, uh, but, but it took me a while. And she, the girl who I was harassing is at the bottom. She's like, come on, let's go. And I'm like, Lord, if I do fall to my death, may I fall on her. Okay. That's all, that's my only prayer. So, but I finally, I, I I untethered and I went down the building and it was pretty incredible. It was, it was frightening as heck, but it was amazing really at the end of the day. And I thought, uh, I, the only reason I was able to do that is if I, I finally, you could say, cut the cord. I tell you that because I think most people in life never take that step. Like, we, we're a church, you hear me say all the time, you have a purpose. You were created to do something no one else will do. And it's true. And you are, you, you, you are to be somebody that no one else can be. It's true. You, no one can be you. Those are all true statements, but yet here's what I know. Most people will never live that. They never will. And I believe the number one reason why is they never take this step and cut the cord. They won't do it. Because the first step is always the hardest. And you need to know something. What we're going to look at, this series is really based on a prophet in the Old Testament. A prophet that maybe you've never heard of. His name is Elisha. Not Elijah, a different prophet, but Elisha. And Elisha, what I love about his story is he's not royalty. He's not anything special. In fact, when, you, when we come on the scene of his life, he's like, he's living at home. He's working for his parents, you know. I don't know if he was a boomerang kid or not. You know, a boomerang kid, one of the kid that the parents send him out at 18. And they come back at 21 and end up in the basement. You know, some of you are like, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I don't know if that was Elisha or not, but there's nothing special about him. But yet Elisha... God used him, and in this series, we're going to look at miracles that happened in the life of Elisha, but they would never happen if, if the message that I'm giving you today, that God's giving us, never happened. He would never do anything else, but he did something, and you're going to see what it is, and it's going to change your life. I'm telling you, this message is, well, let me set it up. Let me give you context. It took place, this is before Jesus. This is Old Testament. It's, it's about 850 years before Jesus was born. Israel, you no know, God's chosen people, it, they're a divided nation. You know, we're familiar with that in our country. You know, it's crazy right now. But they're divided. Like, they're, the, the 12 tribes, they're not 12 anymore. It's 10 and 2. And, the, and things aren't really going well. And kings are starting to oversee some things, which God, that was never God's plan. And prophets are coming in. And Elisha's a prophet. And Elisha comes in. And God uses this, this, this somebody that we don't know much about. He uses this guy to do supernatural things. Like, it's amazing. So this is the story of the call of Elisha. But this isn't just his story. See, what I'm sharing today, it's your story. It can be. If you lean into this, it's so amazing what Elisha does. So let me, let me, let me, let me start in 1 Kings. This is the book of the Old Testament. I'm in 1 Kings 19. And then a, a few verses, 19 through 21, is where I'm going to, going to start. So 1 Kings 19... The call of Elisha. So Elijah, different prophet. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing in the field. There were 12 team of oxen in the field with Elisha plowing. And he was plowing with the 12 team. So I'm going to read this all together and then I'm going to break it down. Elijah went over to Elisha, threw his cloak over him, across his shoulders and walked away. Elisha, at that point, he left his oxen standing there. He ran after Elijah, who had just done that, and said to him, Hey, first let me go kiss my mom and dad goodbye, and then I'll go with you. And Elijah said, Go on back, but think about what I've done for you. And Elisha returned to his oxen that he was just plowing with. He killed them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate, and they ate well. And then he went with Elijah to be his assistant. Let me break this down. Say break down. This is is what I just read to you. I'm going to break this down in a way that you're going to be able to digest it. And you're going to see your story in it. Look at verse 19. That's where we started. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. What did you call me? I'm just kidding. It doesn't make sense. So son of Shaphat plowing in a field. There were 12 team of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12 team. So what do we know from the first verse? We know some things. Number one, Elisha's probably, this family's doing pretty well. They've got 12 team of oxen. Most families probably don't have this, so it's not a, his gig isn't bad, right? No, it's not great either. It's probably not considered fun. He maybe doesn't like um, what he does every day. I don't know. Like, there, maybe some of you, you don't like what you do every day. You don't love your job. It's something that you go to. It's kind of a grind. And maybe you complain, "Ah, oh, I don't like really where I work, or I don't have a, a, a corner office. I don't, my window, I look out at it, and all I see is traffic or some empty field and stuff. You know, if you want to complain about that, can I tell you what Elisha saw every day? How about I show you what Elisha saw every day? I mean, this picture is, gives you some context of what he's looking at. Okay? <laughs> say, say, I don't have it that bad. You don't have it that bad. That's his view, day in and day out. Okay? And if that's what he's looking at, do I got to tell you what he's smelling? Huh? Don't make me show you a picture. I'll do it. You know I will. Say, that, that is his view. So don't you think there's points in Elisha's life where he's like, you know what? He's dreamed that maybe there's something better for him. This isn't bad, but maybe there's something better. Maybe even Elisha, maybe like you, he's written down some things, some goals, some ideas that I have, some dreams that I have. I'm telling you what, but understand this, and I wrote it down. I wrote this down. It's one thing to have an idea. It's another thing to turn that idea into a reality. This is what's happening in his life, and he has no idea, not yet, but he soon will. Next verse, Elijah goes over to him, throws that cloak across his shoulders remember and then he just walks away it's like what just happened like Elijah says nothing he says nothing to him it's like hey there you go and he walks away and in that moment it was so significant because a cloak it's considered like a mantle in this day I mean it's not just a coat that they would wear though they would do that a a cloak in this day They would use it for cover, they would use it for a cushion, they would use it to sit on, they would use it to even wrap up things and carry as a bag. Heck, some scholars say that they would wrap it up so tight, they would use use it as like a fanny pack. Now, we don't listen to those scholars because, seriously, who's wearing those things? I mean, honestly, someone's like, sorry, worship team, I know every one of you have like four of them, so, I mean, I don't get it. Okay, I don't... And somebody said, you know what? Well, they're in. I said, how can they be in when they were never in in the first? I mean, they're back in. No, they're not. They were never in. So anyway, so I'm off track. So you get it. The cloak was a really big deal. So the cloak hits Elisha, and and, and it's like God is saying, you know what? Elisha, I've got something better for you. I've got something better in store for you. As soon as that hits him, he knows something is happening. And maybe God in that moment for Elisha is saying, God, or Elisha, you're done living in the land of good enough. You know what the land of good enough is? See, some of you, you're there right now. The land of good enough is where, you know what? I, I don't maybe, maybe it's not my dream job. Maybe the view I'm looking at every day isn't bad, but it's not, it's not too bad. I mean, it's not as bad as that guy or that girl. At least I'm working. Good enough is, it's almost, I'd almost rather be in a bad place. Rather than a good enough place. Do you know why? Because when I'm in a bad place and I'm in a miserable place, I'll, I'll probably get miserable enough to do something about it. But when I'm in a good enough place, eh, it's, I mean, it's, it's a job. It's a paycheck, you know, but it's still not your purpose. That's the problem. See, you, 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 you can either earn a paycheck or you can live your purpose. I, I, it's, it's a big difference. Good, the land of good enough. Is that where you're living? If you are, this is for you. Verse 20. Elisha. Remember what he did as soon as the cloak hit him? He left the oxen standing there and he ran. Say he ran. He runs after Elijah. He says to him, hey, let me go kiss my mother and my father. Goodbye. And then I'll go with you. That, that's crazy. You know what, you know what Elisha didn't say? Ah, uh, you know, I know this is significant what you put on my shoulders. Let me go pray about it. I should probably, you know, that's the, that's the, the righteous thing to say. Let me pray about it. He didn't do that. He didn't say, oh, let me, let me list the pros and let me list the cons. He could have. Seriously, he could have said, uh, pros. You know, I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to have my own company, Elisha Incorporated. No longer living in my parents' basement, right? It's going to be great. There's a lot of pros. Cons. Well, I'm no longer living in my parents' basement. I mean, it's kind of nice having the free food and the free place to stay, free Netflix. You know, it's kind of... But then again, I can use their sign-in for my Netflix at my own, my other place, you know. Don't act like you don't do that. I talked to a gal. This is a true story. I talked to a gal. She broke up with a guy four years ago, and she was still using his Netflix account. I'm like, you stick it to him. You go, girl. I'm like, going there and changing his favorites around. It'd be kind of fun. So I'm like, Whatever whatever it takes you know i'm going to get something out of that relationship so but but here's what elisha didn't have he he had no really details remember elijah said nothing when he put the cloak on him and then he said all right you go back and kiss mom and dad but remember what i just did for you in other words in other words elisha i have no idea where you and i are going to go tomorrow or where we're going to sleep or what we're going to eat but it's going to be it's going to be an adventure it's going to be abundant. It's going to be purpose-filled. But he, he had no details. None. And Elisha goes back, kisses mom and dad, and leaves. And look at this. And, and actually, the main point, I, I, this is so crucial. And again, this is part of cutting the cord. You don't have to fully understand it in order to do it. You don't have to get it in order to do it. You don't have to have all the information. Somebody would say to me, Monty, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, oh my God! How about we talk about my five-hour plan? I barely know that. My five-year plan? Are you kidding me? If somebody would have asked me my five-year plan five years ago, do you know what I wouldn't have said? Because I had no idea. I wouldn't have said, "Gosh, you know, I'm thinking about starting a church. That sounds fun." That was not in the cards five years ago. I, I think if I started the church, what's that? What's that one town with the zoo, Jody? You know, Omaha. Yeah, I think we'll go down to Omaha. You know a place where we there's nobody that we know and a place where it still snows and the wind still blows and there's still potholes i mean honestly i saw a pothole the other day some geese were like swimming in it i thought if my car falls in there you'll never you'll you'll have to find a new pastor so um it was big But, but but that was not the it was not like i said god we're gonna i had no idea now, I'm not listening to me. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. You should, you should plan. It's good to have goals. But sometimes I see, I see people planning so much, and they're so focused on the future that they're not responding in the present. And this is not where I want to live. Like, I'm all about having a goal, having a plan. But my gosh, I guarantee, if you fully understand it, you've waited way too long to pull the trigger. You don't have to fully get it in order to do it. And God, what I've noticed with God... Just like Elisha, God will rarely give you details. He rarely does. He, he, I mean, and you know why? Here's why I think he doesn't do it. Because I think if he gave you the details, many of you, you wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. You, you, I mean, if I had all the details, I mean, we've gone through a little bit in the church. I mean... I'm not saying I wouldn't have done it, but I would have probably maybe prayed longer about it. I'm just, it's hard. Jody and I, when we were in in L.A., and they asked us if we wanted to be on the set of that movie, I told you about that one time, Spider-Man, the the original gangster Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, Willem Dafoe, The Green Goblin, that movie, like if we had all the details, I wouldn't have said yes to being on the set of the movie. Would we? But we didn't have the details. They're just like, hey, you guys want to be in the movie? Like, yeah, we're just kind of visiting California, but sure, we have nothing to do tomorrow. All right, meet us here at 6 in the morning. Like, cool, we're going to be in a movie. I mean, I'll probably be the Spider-Man standing or something, I'm guessing. So, I mean, yeah, so we show up at 6 a.m. on Hollywood Boulevard, us and a lot of other weird people, uh, people that didn't have jobs, and uh, we get in this van, uh, more of a bus, and we start driving. And the details started to emerge really quickly. Like when we pulled into the movie set and there's barbed wire on the fence, I thought... My God, are we going to a movie set or am I getting arrested? I didn't know. I, I, I was freaked out. And there's a reason there was barbed wire. Because we were there for 13 hours filming four scenes and it was like slave labor. I, uh, but, okay, let's let, let, look at the good side of things. If we wouldn't have done that, I would have never been in the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah? Oh, you're in the movie? You better believe it. You better, not all of me, it's just my arm, but my arm is in there. It's this seat, it's crazy. I should have this insured. I didn't even think about that, Jody. I should It's in there, and Jody's like, I don't know if that's your arm. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. That is my arm, Jody. Don't you say that is my, I didn't put 13 hours in, in some slave camp to say that's not my arm. Anyway, so, but if we had all the details, we showed up. We showed up and, and, and it was, a, we still obviously tell, still tell stories about it. But if you don't show up, here's the thing to what God's calling you to do, if you don't show up, God won't be able to show off and do what He wants to do through you. See, He wants to do something big through you. Say, through me. It's through, yeah, through you. Exactly. Let's continue. So Elijah replied, Go on back. Remember when He's going to go kiss His parents, but think about what I've done for you. And I love how Elijah says, Go. And then Elisha said, hey, I'll go do it, and then I'll go. Say go. See, many times, again, remember how he won't give you details, God? Sometimes he'll give you one word. Abraham, when Abraham went to a land, you know what God said? I'll bring you to a land, I will show you. You go, and I will show you. And then God quit talking. But Abraham was like, what the heck? You said, I have no idea. And it's like God said, Abraham, if you do the going, I'll do the showing. If you do the going, I'll do the showing. I wrote down, faith doesn't mean you know where you're going. It doesn't mean that. It means you're trusting wherever God is taking you. Big difference. Big difference. But that one word, for you, you, I don't know what God's going to tell you about the cord that you're going to cut today. It might not be go. Maybe it's stay. Maybe you're supposed to stay in a marriage that, that you've been looking for a way to get out. Maybe that's the thing. Instead of looking for a way to get out, you're supposed to look for a way to get through. So maybe it's say, maybe your word is trust as you get a health diagnosis that isn't what you wanted or isn't what you'd hoped for. Maybe took the breath out of you and God is saying, trust, trust in me. Maybe it's that idea that you've written down and the one word God is giving you is start. Just start. That's all you've got to do. You don't have to know the ending. You don't have to know the middle. You just got to start. Maybe the one word, maybe it's regarding your church, that you're starting to love and fall in love with because of what God is doing. You see the miracles happening. And you've been coming and now God is saying, commit, go a step farther. Commit is the one word he's given you. Maybe it's with a child and your wife or your husband and you have prayed about it. And you you wrote down the pros and cons and God has spoke to you about it. And God is saying, adopt. And that is what he's telling you to do, adopt. Or maybe it's that relationship and your friends are telling you he ain't good for you. And your family is telling you, he ain't good for you. And your, your pastor is telling you, he ain't good for you. And even his friends are telling you, he ain't good for you. And the one word that God is giving you is run, Forrest, run. Get out of that, you know. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but you know who you are. So, you don't have to have, you don't have to fully get it in order to do it. If you wait until you're 100%, again, you've missed the boat. This is what I want you to know. You don't have to fully get it. God is way more interested in your full obedience than your full understanding. See, we don't need more details, church. We need more faith. That's what we need. That's what God is doing. This is this is what God brought you here to hear. Let's continue going back through the last verse 21. And this is the biggest, I think, the most pivotal verse in the scripture that we looked at today. This is this is huge. I hope it hits you like it did me. So Elisha, remember, he kissed mom and dad. And what's he do next? Something absolutely insane. Elisha returns to the oxen, and he kills them. It's like, I don't know if that's a good business decision, Elisha. Those are your laborers. They, they work pretty hard. You, you slaughtered them. And then he uses the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast the flesh. And then he passes around the meat to the townspeople. It's a party. They all ate. So, so Elijah doesn't just like kill all the oxen and grill up steaks. Or maybe it was Chislik. I don't know. You're looking at me like you don't know what chislik is. That's okay. I mean, maybe it's a South Dakota thing. Who knows what it is? My gosh, four, four, maybe five people. Okay, Google it. And then they find a place in Omaha that... Makes it, you won't regret it. So he made a lot of chis- like a lot of steak, we'll call it. But he doesn't stop there. He burns the plows. Imagine the hired help. It's like, oh my gosh, Elisha's lost his freaking mind. I mean, he's killing, he's killing the oxen. Okay, are we still getting paid for today, by the way? I don't. He's killing everything. He's now he's burning the equipment. It, like Elisha, I, am j- just gonna say it, Elisha. I don't know if you had to burn the equipment. Like you could have at least like sold it on Facebook Marketplace, right? I mean, you put something on there, it'll sell within 10 seconds. I'm convinced of it. I mean, we've seen it happen in our house. But my gosh, there's also people that got problems. And I'm going to call it out right now, because Sarah, when we were going through the message, Sarah told me, he goes, yeah, I I saw somebody that was posting, um, they were selling a a bundle of hangers. And I said, wait a minute, they're selling hangers on Facebook Marketplace? I said, isn't that a place where you sell like stuff that's kind of like I mean, I could go to Target and buy hangers for $3. I don't, I'm like, what? Well, okay, I'm just gonna say it. If you're doing stuff like that, I, you either got something wrong, okay? We wanna pray for you, or you just have too much time on your hands. I, Jody, if you start doing that, I will call a counselor for you. I'm not kidding you. I got a counselor, maybe you need one too. I, that is wrong. We, hangers? I, anyway, so he could have sold that plow, he could have made money. Why would you have to do what you did, Elisha? Why burn it? Why torch it? It, 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 was, it was bigger than just burning the plows. It was, it, there was some symbolism in that. It was way bigger, for, it was way bigger than quitting a job. It, it was cutting the cord. It was saying, I'm not going back. It was saying, I'm stepping into something new. See, I wrote it down this way. It's even in your notes. You can't step into your new life while you're still tethered to the old. You cannot do it. I've tried numerous times, trust me. You cannot do it. Elisha was symbolizing a new life. It wasn't just about the the meat. It wasn't just about a bonfire. It wasn't just an act of arson. It was Elisha saying, I'm going to something new, and I'm not going back. That's huge. That's cutting the cord. This is why I think most people, because we're tethered to the old, something that it might be familiar, it might be comfortable, it might, be, it might be good enough. It's just not God-ordained. And that's a big difference. What are you tethered to? It starts with burning down the old. As Jody and I started praying about planting a church and starting a church, there were some things that we had to do. And one of the biggest things is our home that we lived in. and our neighborhood, we loved it. The home, we, had, we lived in the home for 15 years. It wasn't until I walked out and stood there on the sidewalk and looked at the home, and we're tethered to it. And I said, Jody, bring me the gasoline. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> Jody be like, uh, how about we just call a realtor? I mean, it's just I'm like, it's not as dramatic, you know. Bring me the gas. But it wasn't until we put the home on the market, and the home sold, reality setting in. Then all of a sudden, that 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 plow's burnt. Can't go back to that home. God, the, the, it says it's for. It says it's sold. So we, you just start cutting the old. You start cutting the old. You start. You start untethering, as you would say. What do you have to untether in your life? I. Uh, I stole this extension cord from the La Vista conference. This is ours. But uh, this illustration. But I think about this. And this is a cord. And you're tethered to something. And as you're tethered, this is your enemy. By the way, this is what holds you back. It is it's, a lot of times it's just one thing. And, and, and for guys, let's get, get can we get real in church? I don't want to have to sanitize it all the time. I'm so sick of going to a, a church and it's like, oh yeah, we're going to preach the word of God, but uh, maybe we can, you can't apply it to your life and you won't even understand it. How about we apply it to our lives? Most men and a lot of the men here today struggle with pornography. But, but sometimes we're scared to talk about it. I'm in a group, I'm in a group with a small group of guys, and, and we talk about stuff like that because it's real. It's real, and it's in the world, and Satan wants to use it to take you out, and you're tethered to it, and it's killing your relationships, and it's killing your marriage or maybe a potential marriage, and it's killing your um, ideal of what intimacy really is. So we put up guardrails. You know how we cut the cord to that? It's like we just say we're going we're gonna to download Covenant Eyes. And that's one way that we cut the cord. That's one way we say, you know what? I'm not tethered to it anymore. I'm cutting the cord. I'm putting up a guardrail and we have it on our phones and we have it on our devices. And you could even probably get by that if you wanted. Well, you know, if you want it bad enough, you'll go around it somehow. Well, maybe you need to go and cut the cord and go from a smartphone to a dumb phone right? Remember slider technology? I used to have a phone. Anyway, so, but that's a way to cut the cord. What cord do you need to cut, guys? Let's not pretend like there's not issues out there that people are struggling with, and that you, 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 there's cords we need to cut. And maybe as we talk about relationships, and we talk about that for the guys, maybe, I'll go back to marriage for a second, because sometimes the cord that's holding you back from the marriage that God has for you it, it, it might be what you're looking at, it might be who you're reaching out to, it might be an old flame on Facebook or Instagram, it might be a message, it might be the way you look at other people, and it's just this cord, and you keep going back to it, and you wonder why, and you don't know why, but you do. So, what cord do you need to cut in that marriage? The lie is, oh, the grass is greener somewhere else, and you hold on to that cord and you keep looking over the fence, but we know the grass isn't greener somewhere else, the grass is greener where you water it. That's the truth. That's the reality, and that's what we need to know. So I, I, I'm just thinking about these things, and I'm praying about these things, and comfort's a big deal, and maybe it's your job, and you're tethered to it. Or maybe it's that relationship that I talked about, where it's run from the relationship, and you know it's not good for you, but you're tethered to it, because you know what, I don't want to be alone. But the problem is, even when you're with him or her, you still feel alone. You know what I'm saying? Oh, but, but, but the devil will lie to you and tell you, well, at least I'm with somebody, But that somebody doesn't want to lift you up and that somebody isn't pointing you closer to Jesus. But you're holding on and you're not cutting the cord. And days pass. And months pass. And years pass. And you just hold on. I don't want to be alone. I'd rather be with somebody than be with nobody. Can I lovingly tell you, if you're in Christ, you are never alone. He says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Never will I abandon you. Cut the cord. Cut it. A job. Jobs are, I mean, that was one of the hardest things for Jody and I. As we decided to do what we did. And many others, you've done bold things like I've done. And you've done bolder things than me. So it's not like I got it all figured out. But but for a lot of people, it's the comfort of a job. Ah, it's a good paycheck. You know, I get five weeks of vacation. I know, but you hate the other 45 weeks or whatever it is that you work. You wouldn't need the five weeks if you were living your purpose. If you were doing what you loved. But I've got the money. Yeah, you got the money. You're just miserable with your money. You're not happy the vacation the 401k it's all a cord I mean I but I've been there 25 years I know the people I know you know the people I know you're comfortable I know you know the job I know you like your hours all of it can be a cord if you let it what cord do you have to cut and sometimes and I'll be vulnerable with here with you here sometimes if I can be so bold God will cut the cord for you he will But before I even get to that, let me talk about even the church for a second. Because some of you, maybe you've been coming to Meadows for a while, but you've never stepped in. You, you, you've heard about the dream teams and serving, but you've never done it. And the core that's holding you back is is you. It's like, oh, I don't know. I do you know, I'm busy and I, I can come to church, but I don't know if I can serve in the church. But, but I love the church. The church is growing and the church is incredible and people are coming every week that are new. You know why they're coming every week that are, that are new? They're coming because p- new people are serving and new people are loving them and new people are inviting. Maybe it's a life group, I don't know. Maybe you're not stepping into a group because you're familiar with the people that you hang out with, but they don't bring you closer to Jesus. And the cord says, you know what? I don't want to meet some new people because maybe they're weird. And they probably will be. I mean, it's church, you know, you never know who you're going to get. But what cord is it? And back to God cutting the cord for you, that's what happened in my life. I wasn't strong enough to cut a cord, too weak, too broken. After rehab, I get out, and the cord that I'm still, t- or the, yeah, the, the thing I'm still tethered to are relationships, old relationships that I can't be tethered to anymore. But I'm not strong enough to to cut the cord. You know why? Well, because the relationships could lead back to something, actually, that would kill me. But in in my messed up mind, uh, the devil still wanted me to want. So, So you know what God did? He didn't just cut the cord. He blew it up. All of a sudden, the guy that I'm connected to that could maybe get me what I wanted, you know what happened? SWAT team flew in on his house, busted down his door, arrested him. And that's the only person I knew i don't know if I don't know if it, God did that or, or Jody called the cops either way God worked through her so <laughs> she she'll do whatever it takes so but but that's what God did and I said, God, I was so broken and so dead and so hurting I said i won't I ain't going to go looking for somebody else I mean that was my connection and if I don't have that connection I'm done and God cut that God cut the cord God will help you you're not in this alone what cord do you need to cut and some of you I know you're scared you're thinking I don't know. It's a big step. You're talking about career changes. Man, you're talking about relationships. and You're talking about marriage. These aren't just little things, Pastor. You're talking about big things. I don't know. I don't know if I, 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 don't know if I can do it. I, I want to lovingly tell you something. What you don't do today, you, you're less likely to do tomorrow. What, what you put off today... It will only be harder tomorrow. I guarantee you. I know, I hear what you're saying, but I don't know if I'm ready. I just don't know if I'm there. Well, God's not looking for your readiness. Remember, God is looking for your obedience. So so, so, stop, stop letting fear stop you. I don't know who I'm preaching to. Stop letting fear stop you. If it's God's will, he will make a way. Cut the freaking court. It's time. Say it's time. It's time. What's holding you back? What do you, what do you keep going back to? And it keeps dragging you down. Cut it. Elijah burnt it. He, it was a crazy act of arson. And he said, I'm not going back. And God used him to change the world. That's how you know. Because some of you are thinking, well, pastor, how do I know if I should cut that cord? How do I know if it's God's will that I quit my job or I do that? Here's how you know. What God is calling you to it will be something that you can't accomplish on your own. It'll be something that you can't do on your own. That's what makes it so scary. That's why faith is so necessary. Does that make sense? You won't be able to do it on your own. You will need God. God will have to be in that equation. And that's, the, that's where you want to live. You want to live with this necessary need that, God, if you don't show up, I'm screwed. I'm going to look stupid. I'm going to make mistakes. And God's like, I got you. He's always got you. Give him an opportunity to show you. Give him that opportunity. Uh, you do you know, by the way, who did the most miracles in the Word of God that are recorded? You probably want to say Elisha because that's what we're studying. But the, but they, the correct answer is always Jesus. I don't know who said it, but somebody did. I'm just going to pretend. So Jesus <laughs> is always the correct answer in church. Jesus had the most recorded miracles in the Word of God. You know who had the second most? Elisha. Out of all the, the, the disciples, all the, the Abrahams and the Moses. You know who had the most recorded miracles? Elisha. He burnt the plows. He killed the cows. He didn't care. I, I think about that and I'm like. And here's what really hit me in, in, the, in the teaching for today. It's something that I preached out of this once before. This is something that I, I, I've read it, but I've never really digested it. Remember the last sentence I read in verse 21? If you don't, I'll put it up on the screen. He does all these things, the arson, the barbecue, this big act of grandeur. And then what does he do? Then he goes to be Elijah's assistant. Another translation would say servant. Wait wait a minute. Wait a minute, Elisha. You're leaving mom and dad's business, you're leaving comfort, you're leaving familiar, you you're, you're, you burnt all the, everything, it's gone. And then you're going to go serve under somebody else? I mean, that doesn't make sense. But, but, but it makes perfect sense if you think about what God... This hit me more almost than anything else. He went to go be a servant. See, p- people will come up to me, oh, pastor, I, I would love to you know, have a platform and I would love to do what you do. And I'm thinking to myself, do you want to do what I did in order to do what I do? Do you want to do that? Because I went to school full time and I had a full time job and I had a full time family and a full time dad, and a full-time husband. And it was miserable. Ask Jody, she will tell you. It was we made it though, didn't we, Jody? By by the grace of God. It was and they're like, Do you want see, we want the pedestal, we want the platform, we just don't want the preparation. We just don't want the perspiration. Oh, come on, Pastor, what are you? What do you, work like four hours a week, right? And that's when I punch him right in the throat. So I'm just kidding. So uh, I want to do what you do. You don't do anything. So uh, (laughs) I better stop talking. Okay, so uh, everybody, he he goes to serve. It's not Elisha Incorporated yet, Elisha. You're going to go serve. You left everything, and now you're going to serve. So, God, see, Meadows Church music, you know what we see this week? We see an incredible, I mean, anointed, gifted group of men and women that will blow you away with the way they worship God and sing. It's nothing like I've ever heard. And I listen to the best of the best, and I believe we have the best. And I'm not kidding you, it's amazing. But you can hear this say, Yeah, give God praise. It's, they'll give him all the glory. He's that good. He's that good. He's that worthy, you could say. But here's what a lot of people don't know. Like, I've been doing ministry with a couple of those people on that team for almost a decade. And we just released our first song nine plus years later. See, there's a process. There's a preparation. There's perspiration. There's work behind it. But if you do the work and you serve underneath somebody and you learn and you grow and you, you show up and you're on time and you're available and you're teachable, oh, God will use you. God will use you. Think of the disciples, the early disciples. You know what cord they cut? It was literally nets. They were fishermen. Some of you maybe know the story. If you don't, out of Matthew 4, 19 and 20, Jesus is choosing his first disciples. Hey, leave everything. I know you're in the fishing business. I know you guys are pretty lucrative, but I know you don't know me. I look like a long-haired lunatic wearing sandals, but what the heck? You want to go? And they go. Matthew says this. He called to them, come, follow me. I will show you. There's that one word, show. I will show you. I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once. They left their nets at once. They didn't hesitate. Because if they hesitate, you know what they might do? Eh. Pros and cons. Eh, Jesus, I better pray about it. And Jesus is like, well, you'd be praying to me. So anyway, but whatever. So, you know, that... They didn't. They not do that. They didn't because if you hesitate like that, you might end up living in the land of good enough, and that's not where you want to live. That's not where you want to live. He calls them out, and they follow him. And people, I guarantee you something: when you do something that God is calling you to do, people are gonna look at you like you, you, something wrong, like something's a little messed up. Like, like I wrote down, people are gonna tell you what you're doing is risky. I would tell you, playing is safe, is what's risky. That's what I would tell you about the life that God purposed and planned. Most people will never live their purpose because they play it safe. That is the bottom line. They will not cut the cord. They will not do it. It's scary. I know it's scary. That's why you need faith. That's why the word says without faith it's impossible to please God. It all works together. The greatest risk that you have in life, you know what it is? Taking no risks. That's the greatest risk you can make. So we as a church, one of our core values is risk. You may or may not know that. Now you do. So we've been taking risks as of late. You've heard about some of them. Doing some weird things on, to, whatever. I won't go through it all. You've heard, probably heard the stories or read the blogs or talked to some people, but whatever. So we're taking risks. And a lot of people are looking at that saying, oh my gosh, something is, something's messed up. Something is wrong. That's way off. No one's ever done, yeah, yeah, I get all that. No one's ever done that. Here's what I know. If you take a risk and God is at the center of it and he's getting glorified, he'll bless it. He will bless it. Even if you don't do it right, that's what I love. I always think, God, Am I, I don't know if this is really gonna, you know, should I? And God's like, eh, is your heart right? Yeah, do it, do it. It might not be exactly what God had in mind, but if your heart is right, it is about glorifying God, loving people that he loves, I guarantee you he will bless it. So we do a lot of risky stuff. And all of a sudden last week, previous before last week, in three plus years, our highest attended weekend, 330 people. Last weekend, God sends 618 people in our church and blows it up. (laughs) Risk works if God's at the center of it. I love the, the book that I just got done reading with leaders. I've talked about it before called Win the Day. There's a story that the author tells, and this is what it is students are in a classroom in a college setting and the professor walks up to a student and says how long have you lived and the students like mm, 19 years he's like no Mm-mm. that's how long your heart has been beating that's not what i asked you how long have you lived are you living are you living the life that god purpose and plan it's going to be scary You're going to need your church loving you and wrapping around you and praying for you. But we're with you and we've got you and he's got you. Are you living? This is what I want you to know. I want to invite the team to come up. And as they do, I'll tell you something. The one thing that I won't sugarcoat, I won't sugarcoat a lot of things, but as you step into whatever cord you're going to cut and what God is calling you to do in a marriage, in a church, in a business, in a career, in a relationship, in a, in, in a financial situation, whatever it is, whatever God's calling you to do, it will not be easy, guaranteed. And, you, and, you, and, and you're going to have to give up some things. When you cut a cord, you're, you're giving up whatever that cord's attached to. You get that, right? When you cut the cord, you'll give up whatever the cord is attached to. You're, you're going you're gonna to cut some things out, but I'll tell you something. You will miss out on so much more if you stay in the field. You will miss out on so much more. Of this series, this this message is critical. Because if you don't get, if you don't get past this, if you don't cut this, what we're gonna preach over the next three to four, maybe five weeks, it'll be great. It'll motivate you, but you, you won't live in it because you're still tethered to the old. And it's a scary thing. The Latin root word, I love this, the Latin root word decide. You know what it means? The Latin root word, gotta make sure I say this right. The Latin root of the word decide, it means to cut. It's time. It's time to decide. It's time to cut. It's time to stop regretting the past. Some of you, the, the, the cord that you're tethered to, it's things in the past. And I don't know why we hound on it so much and why we ponder on it so much. We can't do much about it. Stop regretting the past. Start learning from it. And then start living in the present. Stop carrying around the guilt that you keep beating yourself up over. Stop carrying around this guilt. Start leaning into the grace of God. That's why he came. It's what the cross and the tomb is all about. Quit beating yourself up. You know who you are. I do it too. Cut that cord. Let God start to heal your heart. Ask for your future. You want to predict your future? You can do it. How? By creating it. Stop waiting for things to happen. Start making things happen. And if I could, oh, if I can tell you one thing, it would be this. Whatever you do, don't you settle. Whatever you do, don't you settle. Don't you settle for good enough. Why? Because we don't serve a God of good enough. We serve a God of greater things. I'm telling somebody, it's time to kill the cow. It's time to burn the plow. It's time to live your purpose. Cut the cord. What cord will you cut? Some of you have notes. Some of you you got phones, whatever it is. I need you to do something now. I want you to start thinking about the cord that you're going to cut. I need you to write it down. I need you to own it. The first step is writing it down. And as you think about the cord that you're going to cut, I'll tell you a cord that Jesus cut from heaven to earth. He would cut a cord from heaven. Insane. Want to talk about a risk taker? No one took more risk than Jesus. And he risked everything on you. Here's what's nuts about the cross. Jesus would risk it all on the cross knowing most of us wouldn't sell out to it. That's risky. You'll, you'll die. You'll be massacred for all of us, knowing that only a few of us will ever surrender to your good news. And Jesus is like, I'd do it for one. And he did. The biggest risk taker there was was Jesus, because we're risky. I mean, we're, he knows we're crazy. That's why he had to come. And I'll never stop telling you, it's his grace that saves you. You can't earn it, you can't do it. I don't care what you do, you'll never do enough. Mother Teresa lived a pretty good life. She was stained, she was sinful, and without the grace of God, she is in hell. But with God's grace and her surrender to that grace and belief in it, heaven is her home, just like it can be your home. That's the beauty of grace. That's the scandalous grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, you big risk taker, To risk everything so that one more might come to know him as lord and savior i love it i love i love the gospel of jesus the cross blood stained blood flowing down the dead body going into a tomb we celebrate it on easter right but why do we wh- wh- why why ain't just celebrating on easter i'm going to celebrate every weekend that we're in this place Every day that I can tell you about an empty tomb, I'll tell you. Every day that I can remind you that when when, when the cross was empty, the tomb was full. But it didn't say that way. Because three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, you and I, we can start cutting cords. You and I, we can start living purpose. You and I can start forgiving others that don't deserve it. You and I can let go of the guilt that we're carrying. You and I can start to love like we can't love naturally, but supernaturally, with the grace of God, we can do it. This is what God called, God didn't die so that you might live good enough die so you could live good enough. Don't set Most of the world will settle. Meadows Church is not most of the world. You watching online, you're not most of the world. You're different. Don't settle. It starts with the cross and a tomb that is now empty, and it's always been empty for 2,000 plus years. And if you've never sold out to the grace of God and asked Him to come into you and make you new, now is your time that you call on the grace of God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I'm messed up. I'm stained. I'm so sinful. I've done so many things wrong, and I can never earn it. And he's like, you can't. But that's why I did what I did. That's why the cross was there. That's why the tomb is empty. And you can say, I choose Jesus, and you can mark it on cards in the room. You can text it online. You can text I choose Jesus to 474747. You can type I choose Jesus, or put it in the comments. What a risk you took Jesus for us. Why would we, why in the world would we beat ourselves up when God's grace can cover us and make us new? It makes you new. It doesn't just fix you up. As I pray for you, I want to ask you, what's holding you back? What's holding you back from cutting this, from getting rid of it, and start living the life that God purposed and planned? What lies are you believing? What security blanket are you holding on to? What fear is dominating you? It doesn't have to anymore. As we we worship and as as you come up for the one for one and do the dollar and the one for one or whatever you do during this final song and after this song, the prayer team will be up here. We wanna pray for you. We wanna help you cut a cord. We wanna help you start living your purpose today. Cutting the cord is the key. You're learning something today at Meadows Church. The key to living your purpose is cutting the cord. Father, I thank you so much for your word and your truth. We love you. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. Without him, without the empty tomb being real, and this is all just motivation. Heck, it's all just noise. Let's get real. It doesn't really matter. But because Jesus was dead and now he's alive, everything that comes out of your word, it brings life. It is, it is a lamp. It is light. It is life because Jesus Christ, he is the Word. He was the Word from the beginning. He's who we need. Fear's not going to hold us back. Doubt's not going to hold us back. Deception's not going to hold us back. God, give everybody in this church, everybody watching online, the clarity to know what cord needs to be cut, because I'll guarantee we all got one cord that we gotta cut. Every one of us has a cord. Every one of us is holding on to something that we have to let go. We'll never experience the new if we don't let go of the old. Father, it's it's powerful, but the only way we put power to it is by doing it. And we don't even have to fully get it. I will never fully get the bloodstained cross and what you did for me. I will never fully get it, but by God, I will accept it. I will sell out to it. I will do what you're calling me to do, God, and I will screw up along the way, and you know it. You see it daily. But Father, we thank you for your grace, and we thank you for the example of Elisha. Let us have faith like that. Let's kill some cows. Let's burn some plows. Help us cut the cord, God. We love you. We thank you. We pray it all in Jesus' name and everybody says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, but don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I want to ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.